Hey guys, if you have an interest in developing games, consider joining the WU Game Developers Club. We don't have any more meetings this semester, but we should be back this fall and we'll be meeting every week. It's a great, open, friendly environment. You don't have to have any prior development experience. Take it from me. When I joined, I had no game development experience, and now I've put out nearly three games. If you're interested, go to gamedevclub.orgs.wvu.edu to learn more. Hey everyone, and welcome to Game Talk Episode 8. I'm your host, Amid Mion. This week I'm joined by Jordan Hallow. Hello. Ken Wu. Hello. And Connor Haynes. Hey guys. Our first topic this week is going to be procedural generation. So, um, a lot of popular games today utilize procedural generation. And for those who don't know, it's, um, it's a process of creating 3D assets, uh, textures, what have you, algorithmically, and not by hand. So, for example, in Minecraft, when you start a new world, there is a seed value, and based off of that seed value, it generates a completely random world, unlike any other, other world that might <coughs> exist um, that another player starts up. So, we see procedural generation becoming more and more popular as we go forward in the games industry. I just kind of wanted to talk to you guys about that. What games have you played that utilize procedural generation, and how do you feel about using that as maybe a technique for developers? So, uh, the biggest one I've played is probably Dwarf Fortress utilizes mm. it. And Dwarf Fortress, we've talked about it on the show before. It's a game where it it generates basically every possible facet of a world from the ground up using just procedural generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're even working on, like, a creation myth generator right now. Right. And uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, the whole, you know, the game, the entire idea for the game wouldn't exist without procedural generation. Yeah, procedural generation really re- lends to replayability, right? So, like... It make it can make a tried and true game feel fresh again because maybe the world works in a completely different way this time or like just like the structure of the world is different and can lead to different adventures, you know. Right. And I don't know if you guys know this, but that actually wasn't the original use of procedural generation. It was actually originally made because storage was like really small on older games and things. So they would procedurally generate a world instead of having one in storage. But it would huh. be the same world every time. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, that notion of procedural generation being used as a technique to conserve space comes to mind when uh, talking about No Man's Sky, right? Oh, yeah. The, the download for the game is, what, only a few gigabytes, right? But the game of No Man's Sky has trillions upon trillions of planets, sized planets to explore. And, you know, granted, now that we're on the other side of that, we know what that's really like. But it's still an impressive feat, nonetheless, that such a massive undertaking can be so small in size, simply due to procedural generation techniques. Right. It's, a, it's an interesting technique. Um, it, but I definitely think No Man's Sky shows some of the worst parts of it. How so? Like, it's just a bunch of repetition over and over. You right. see the same stuff. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you can't have a computer create like a scripted scene or anything that people are expecting from AAA games these days, mm-hmm. things like that, it just can't happen. It takes a, a person to design those. Right. At least not yet. We can't right. do that yet. Yeah, right. We'll see in yeah. the future. Um, Jordan, do you have any thoughts on the topic? It's really cool to see how Minecraft has evolved with their procedural generation because they've had different biomes, and as they've had newer versions, um, the older maps don't work as well with the newer maps, so that's something that maybe could be a complication with procedural generation. But otherwise, if you start a new world 
with the same code, it works really well, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely the biggest example of procedural generation gone right is Minecraft. I mean, they 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 got the special sauce in that game where, you know, every single kid, every... I mean, it, Minecraft's one of the biggest games of all time at this point, and I don't think it would be that way if not for its uh, procedural generation algorithms. People right. would get very bored of the world quickly, but when you start a new world in Minecraft, it's almost like starting a completely new game. Right, and it was a really novel thing at the time. Like, a lot of people had never seen a procedural world like that. Yeah, for like, sure. Because it just... It I mean, definitely set a precedent. Yeah, you see them now, forward. but back then it was not a common occurrence. You know, nobody had seen them since back when they were used as a storage-saving um, right. mechanism. So. Right. It's very cool to see the technology evolve like that. Um, Ken, do you have anything in mind? Uh, well, I mean, Minecraft is the only game that I've played with um, procedural generation. I think it's definitely, for Minecraft, it's a good key thing to have in the game because, like, every time I, pl I do play it, it's like I always, like, look forward to what kind of landscape that I can see in the game, so... It's like a fresh new take. Right. It, it, it really helps with exploration and discovery, right? Yeah. Because because you don't know, like, what's on the horizon. It could be anything. Yeah. Again, Minecraft's just a brilliant use of that technology. Yeah. But, like, like, I wonder, like, is there any, any other games I could take that, like, procedural generation and make it into, like, I'm a big, um, I'm a big um, FPS um, players, so I think maybe someone could make like a game where the battlefield is procedurally generated each time. That way, you have a different map design every time you play. It. Wow, that's that actually a really cool idea. And there's no reason they couldn't. I mean, you look at games like Binding <laughs> of Isaac and all, and those are all like it's handmade content placed in a procedural way. And you could totally take that sort of technique and make a, a multiplayer FPS. See, yeah, no, that would be a very cool idea. The only kind of problem I see with that is maybe some matches being unfair with uh, the terrain giving an advantage to one team over the other. Right. I feel like it would have to, it might be a utilization of neural networks or something because mm -hmm. you would have to teach the program to do it correctly. Yeah, do it in this way and not another way. Yeah, but I think it could totally be done and it would be very cool to see. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of like the whole handmade content placed procedurally. I love roguelikes. I've, right. I've got like 100 hours in Binding of Isaac, although that's not a real roguelike, but... You yeah, know, I've I've actually played Rogue, NetHack a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. some of the older stuff. I think um, it's really cool. Spelunky comes yeah. to mind. Oh, Spelunky's yeah, yeah. amazing. Um, Derek used a genius. Terraria as well, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. the Terraria downloads like 200 megs or something. Yeah. It's so tiny. Yeah. It was really cool to follow the development of Spelunky, like <laughs> seeing how it evolved from just a game maker game, and he would um, make some of the um, section level sections in what was it a uh, Notepad. Or, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and then... Yeah, yeah Spelunky's actually a really cool um, example because you can actually... He's actually written and published, like... He has a book, for one thing, called Spelunky. And hasn't he released the code to the public as well? Yeah, oh, yeah, the original Spelunky. Yeah, I remember Gabby was modding it for a while. Yeah. Um, so... It was in a Humble Bundle, I think, too. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's freely available. Yeah. But yeah, it that's, was in the Game Maker Bundle, That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, those... Um, those proc gen techniques are just yeah. like available for anyone that wants to start getting into that. His uh, his generation technique is that he generates <laughs> a bunch. He handmade a bunch of rooms, and every floor in Spelunky is four rooms by four rooms. Mm -hmm. And so first, the game generates uh, randomly. It generates a path out of certain path rooms, 
and that has to lead to the to an exit at the bottom. It's like it absolutely has to, and then it fills in all the gaps with just miscellaneous other rooms that can have treasure or shops and stuff like that. And it's a pretty cool method of going about that. Yeah, I definitely think the magic comes from when you use procedural generation, but there's definitely like a human element to it. Like there's some direction to it, while there are procedurally generated elements that have been artfully considered, you know, and not just pure procedural generation. Right. I think like, Starbound did that really well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have played it. It's made by some of the same people as Terraria. Isn't it similar? Yeah, I was going to say it's similar yeah. to t- yes. Terraria. Yeah, it's very similar. I don't think it's as good. But I think, okay, I think it did procedural generation way better than Terraria, but it did combat not as good. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. It had a lot of, like, handmade assets that they threw into their procedurally generated world in clever ways that made it really, really cool. Like, they, they handmade their assets, but, like, they didn't say it was made out of a specific material. They said it was made out of a material that matched these qualifications and could be found on this planet, mm-hmm. kind of stuff like that. Yeah. So it all looked different despite being handmade. Yeah, and just kind of revisiting the idea of procedural generation lending to replayability, I'm a big fan of, like, Civilization, you know, the 4X games. Right, yeah. And even if you... Um, you you initialize the game with the same elements, like the same number of players, the same you know continent style or whatever. Just the the way the land is generated each time is completely different, and that completely dictates and changes the flow of every single game. And I think that's very cool. And each game of Civilization I play is completely unlike the previous game, and I have to adapt and shift my strategies in according to the hand I was dealt. Right, and I think that's a very cool. Uh, just a cool concept. Right. Another game um, I was thinking that does procedural generation is uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games. Oh, yeah, those oh, are so yeah. good. Yeah, I actually so, never played those, but... they yeah. Those opened a lot of kids up to roguelites. <laughs> yeah. I There's times I remember where I got lucky and times that it hurt me, some of the procedural generation in that game, so I'm not sure if it was always the best. Do you want to talk about that a little more? Like, so... Wh- it's been a long time. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually when, played when, those pretty so recently. When you think of was... Pokemon, you don't think roguelike, right? So this is definitely a, a spinoff, right? So Yes, it is. It's a very good spinoff. I, um, I remember playing that game often, and um, just like after beating the game, um, you just do random missions, and the dungeons get harder and harder. And like you, like, you always have to be prepared cause, because it is presti- uh, procedurally uh, generated. You never know what you're going to encounter, so... One mission, you might go into a dungeon and, like, get all safe rooms. And another time, like, you just get rooms where there's just, like, hundreds of Pokemon that'll just start coming and attack you. Yeah. I remember they didn't really fine-tune their algorithm that well because I know sometimes you would walk in and, like, you'd be expecting a 20-floor, like, arduous journey and you'd walk one room over and find what you were looking for and get to leave. I know Mm. that happened a couple times. But then there were other times where, like... You could kind of tell the developers were really laying it on you because, like, procedural content is free. Like, you can just make more of it. It doesn't cost you anything. And so they'd be like, all right, well, this is more difficult because instead of 40 floors, it's 140 floors. But Mm. it's all the same stuff. They fell into that trap a little bit. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. It's like a dungeon, so... Right. Like, you don't know what you're going to get into. I still had fun with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was definitely, it got repetitive. They had trouble fighting off the repetition. But that was like a Game Boy Advance game, so. And DS, and they kind of, yeah. I think they have one for the 3DS now. 
Yeah, they do. Nice. They've made a bunch of them since then. I only played um, Blue Mystery Dungeon, which was the yeah, DS same. port of the Game Boy Advance so one. So the procedural generation in, the, in those games, just like a lot of games, introduces like an element of randomness, right? Right. And that constantly keep things keeps things fresh and exciting. Yeah, any final thoughts, guys, on procedural generation? I can't wait to see the next games that have it. The sequel to Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Minecraft's yeah. never going to get a sequel. But with Microsoft, you never know. Yeah, really. They might have a, a nice sequel where, like, you have Steve riding around building giant minecarts to explore these massive... What if the, the, what if the sequel to Minecraft was linear? <laughs> <laughs> 2D Minecraft. Well, there's Minecraft story mode. Uh, you got spinoffs already. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to our next topic, which is games journalism. So games journalism has taken an interesting evolution over time in this industry. The press is less, the games press is less po- uh, focused on like breaking stories now as they are on, I think, retaining viewership. So there are like a lot of, you know, like on sites like IGN and GameSpot, there are a lot of like top 10 lists and like strategy guides and stuff. But when I think of true games journalists, the like Kotaku comes to mind, you know, Jason Trier, he's always breaking these stories that uh, from developers because he has these sources, um, breaking these stories that the developers don't want them to leak. Yeah, Kotaku is like a mess of a site. Yeah. No, but like Jason Trier's work is like true journalism. Like I, I love um, I, I love reading his work. He actually, I think Kotaku got blacklisted by Bethesda because... Oh yeah, Jason Schreier kept leaking so many of their things. Them, which them is... and their parent company are just some of the most hated in the yeah. news world. No, I, but I think they're. Do you know their parent company, Jordan? No, I don't. It's it's one of those really shady like. No, but I paparazzi. think that may be the case. But I think they're doing their jobs well, unlike a lot of the other sites. I disagree. I don't follow games journalism like traditionally at all. I, I don't trust it. That's anymore. because traditional games journalism is pretty much dead. Yeah, you know. I, I follow YouTubers like Super yeah, Bunny. Yeah, exactly. Hop. It's it's um, shifted away from these big sites to these smaller, more community community focused uh, places. So, are you saying you get your games news from videos on YouTube? Um, not always, <laughs> but a lot of it, yeah. Yeah, a lot of my games news comes actually most of it comes from NeoGaf, you know, yeah. the video game forum, which actually incidentally has a lot of developers and journalists that post on there, but. <clears throat> I don't know, like, in terms of, like, news, right, when a game's announced, I mean, you don't need a games journalist to to say that anymore, right? The developer could just release a trailer on YouTube or something and post on social media, and that kind of does the job for them. But something really cool that I think journalists like Jason Schreier do is, like, oh, the new Assassin's Creed is set in Egypt, and it's coming out next year, and it's still in development, and that's a complete secret, and... Here's this knowledge to the public. Yeah, it sucks for the developers, but, like, it's really cool for the public to, you know, know that, I think. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I feel like we live in a time when transparency is really easy to do. Like, the developers can just talk to people. They don't need right. this medium, uh, medium to d- or, like, this third party to do it for them. Um, I, would, I would much rather read my gaming news in general. But um, YouTubers don't write articles, and I trust YouTubers way farther than I trust most of games journalism these days. Mm-hmm. Ken and Jordan, you guys have stayed quiet. What do you guys think? I mean, would you, wouldn't you think, like, the uh, the YouTubers that do these, like, game reviews or, like, these no- leaks that talk about them be considered as game journalism? Like, I mean, they're, they're doing games journalism, but they're that I guess 
the difference is they're not that's not their job right they're well, not getting they're, it, they're, it depends on the video well, okay like, no, no no i take that back it could be their job but like but game games journalists uh you know go to e3 and go to these press briefings so do the youtubers take notes do they know yeah a lot of them super yeah. bunny hop does i mean uh jim sterling got flown out to valve and he famously, he yeah. quit working. I think he worked at Kotaku, I forget, or Polygon. Yeah, no, it certainly has shifted, um, like, dramatically. Like, traditional games journalism is becoming more, like, media-focused. Like, these people on YouTube, these people on Patreon, uh, doing their own kind of thing. Right, and I trust them so much more because, like, if they're if they're Patreon-funded, that means that their listeners or their viewers are their bosses instead of potentially, you know... Someone with another interest. Yeah, someone right. with other interests telling them, hey, you need to review this game well because we need it to make money for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Jordan? How do you know, though, I think that was a big controversy a while back, is how do you know that they're not getting paid to say good things about these games, some of these people? Because that's how they make their money. They're open about it. I mean, all the ones I watch, they do do sponsored videos, but they'll say, hey, this one's a sponsored video, guys. So full transparency. I think, yeah, I think it's a level of... I mean, it's like I trust. like I mentioned, it's that sense of community and them sort of like building that trust with their audience because they know that if, I mean, that's a huge risk for them to take. If the audience were to find out that they were being illicit about something, then there goes their you know livelihood pretty much. Yeah, you and know? there's you know a thousand other people out there we could be watching. Mm-hmm. I've noticed like British YouTubers are required through some kind of UK law to have like to say that it's sponsored, but in the US that doesn't exist. So. Well, from what I've seen, like you said, Connor, a lot of people, um, U.S. YouTubers, do say it just because it's a good, I guess it's a good look. It, it it gets rid of, like, any ambiguity that might be there. So if you found out your favorite YouTuber or news source did that, would you stop listening to them completely? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, there's so many other options in the current environment. There's no reason to be beholden to one thing. Yeah, I don't have a favorite. I have, like, a couple that I follow, and I would just take one off the list. Okay. And, you know, probably find someone to replace it. Yeah. I kind of want to, like, explore the idea of... So, like, what do you guys think is going to eventually happen to these dedicated sites like IGN and GameSpot? Like, are they going to die, or are they just going to evolve into something... I don't like think, more YouTube focused, I more mean, direct. IGN specifically, I don't think is going anywhere because they, um, I mean, they do a lot more than games. Yeah, they, they cover, also do movies, comics. Yeah, they cover all yeah, kinds yeah. of media. They're not going anywhere. They're too big, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of sites, I don't know. They've expanded into the podcast sphere. They they do vi- just funny <coughs> videos now. Yeah, you know. Shinema does original content. That's another one I think of. That they did Red versus Blue. I think right. So no, oh, man. no. Machinima didn't do Red versus Blue. That was Rooster Teeth. Which that was Rooster Teeth. Machinima is named did... after like the art of Machinima, which Red versus Blue started. Okay. But Machinima is a horrible company. That everyone like has, everyone who's worked for them has gone out to say they hate them afterwards. It's uh, Rooster Teeth did Red versus Blue. Okay, my 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 fault. Yeah. So Sorry. yeah, like Machinima, like they they frustrate. Like me. you mentioned, um, they're one of the companies. These that's traditional horrible. gaming sites have really diversified to stay alive. I know IGN does multiple podcasts, like uh, Podcast Beyond for PlayStation fans, Podcast Unlocked for Xbox fans, and they also have like skits and stuff that they do. So. It is interesting to see that, like, it's not enough to just report on games anymore, you know, because that that job just it it's it can it's it's something that I I think almost anyone can do now, you know, I, all these YouTubers like they came from nothing and they built up their acumen and now they're getting invited to E3 conferences, you know, like 
Um, so I don't know. I just think it's an interesting idea to explore to see how that has shifted over time. I think it depends on the resources too. Like Game Informer is always going to have an audience if they give it away free with like GameStop premium memberships. Right, so that's, that's not going to stop. Until GameStop goes um, out of business. Yeah, in the <laughs> next 10 years. Yeah, that's all um, speculative there. Um. <laughs> no, uh, but just a quick diversion. GameStop is, uh, I mean, they're adapting. They're trying to do different things to stay afloat. So Every company has to yeah. be innovative to stay afloat. So that's. So I get my news a lot from like uh, a site called Nintendo Life, and it's like a Nintendo community site. So yeah. not only is there like Nintendo specific journalists on it and all the information has sources which i like um there's also like the community aspect so i like to go to the comments and see what a lot of the fans say about yeah. the different news and things yeah it's really uh, another i guess it's a very useful tool for these developers like when um there's news broken or a new video trailer posted a quick way to like gauge the sort of immediate reaction is to just scroll through the comment section right and it's it's I mean, yeah, that's just an initial reaction, but it's almost surprising to see how like how potent that reaction is. Like, like a really hype first trailer translates into like a lot more sales. Like that's just mm -hmm. how it works, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like you all get most of your news from videos. Um, like sometimes I don't have time to watch a five-minute news video, so I like being able to read the website. Well, like I said, yeah. my primary more source is NeoGaf, which. Um, I mean, every single, like, thread that's created on there, if it's a news article, the first bit of text is the link to the news article. So mm -hmm. I think um, that's a great way to, like, see the news as well as see some, like, high-level discussion about it, too. So is yeah. NeoGAF, like, Reddit in the respect that they can have, like, a link be the main thing and then there's comments below it? Is it the same kind of thing? <clears throat> um, I'm just trying to picture it. So it's, it's more like a traditional, like, forum. So they have, like these sub forums for like uh, like a gaming sub forum you click that and they have like um different threads that you can click on and each thread has like a like a first post and then comments below it and okay. it's not sorted by like popular comments or anything but it's just sorted by in order of like when they posted okay they also have a bunch of sub threads for specific games too so if you want to talk about a particular game big ones on there are like ongoing games like destiny um the division as well as popular games that come out like breath of the wild or horizon they all have like pretty big dedicated threads to them where people can just talk about things and there's a pretty good like spoiler cu culture there too so like like in the thread title like it's marked spoilers if there's spoilers for a particular games so it's it's a pretty safe pr place to browse and just kind of learn i think okay I would say I get as much of my news from Twitter as I do from YouTube. Yeah, Twitter is huge I just, now. I just follow a bunch of game developers. Yeah. I follow more game developers than friends, I think. <laughs> Games journalism has definitely evolved a lot over time, and it, I'm interested to see where it's going to go going forward. You know, if it'll become even more, like, kind of discreet and bite-sized. Like you said, Twitter's, like, a, a, actually a major news source now. People get a lot of their news from Twitter exclusively. Right. So... Yeah, I, I, it, it's interesting to think about how that's going to move going forward. All right, um, our final topic for today will be games in 2017. So the reason that this is a topic is because in my mind, and I think in a lot of people's minds, 2017 has been an absolutely phenomenal year for games, and it is a phenomenal year for games that are going to come out this year as well. Right, we're not even halfway through. So let's just kind of scroll down a list. Um, this fall, 
we're getting Red Dead Redemption 2. Absolutely gargantuan game that's going to sell tens of millions of copies, right? Yeah, I'm real interested to see where they go um, after the popularity of GTA Online. I want to see. Oh, no, the online component, like, take this to the bank, the online component in that game will be huge. Like, that will probably be bigger than the main campaign or whatever. Um, Yeah, let's just go through the list and then we can talk about them more in depth. Persona 5 came out recently uh, to immense critical acclaim. Uh, really popular, what, called one of the best JRPGs ever at this point. Like so, already the bar for 2017 is so high. Prey comes out in a couple, in a week, I think, maybe even a few days. It's Bethesda's new first-person shooter. Um, got a really cool sci-fi flair to it. I'm looking forward to that. Um, earlier this year, January, I think, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard came out. Uh, marquee horror title. And all of it could be played in VR, so it's technically VR's first AAA game, which is really cool. Um, Resident Evil 7. Yeah. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, it's called. Uh, yeah, out, I said Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. It was, I didn't know it had a. I thought this was like a separate game. I hadn't. Oh no no. Prey comes out Friday, by the way. Prey come. Yeah, Prey comes out like in a few days, which is pretty remarkable. I have on this list South Park: The Fractured But Whole. I don't think that's coming out this year because I think Matt and Trey, like the creators, are tied up making the game. Um, but that, I mean, it's listed for this year. I'm pretty sure it's not coming out this year, though. But those South Park games are actually really good RPGs, and they're very funny as well. Right. Yeah, I uh, played uh, South Park, the uh, Stick of Truth. That was a um, pretty fun game to play. So I think, is that game based on that formula, the same like RPG LARP style? Yeah, it's the or? same. Yeah, it's the same style. Yeah. Um, another game that came out recently, Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, it's a big game. Didn't really, you know, it was kind of a lukewarm reception for it, but... That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, maybe we can have another topic bashing it later. But, <laughs> I mean, it's another Mass Effect game, you know. And it kind of speaks to the quality of this year and to the terribleness of the game that it just kind of resounded with a thud and not an echo. Num- another game, uh, obviously, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, yeah, along can, with the Nintendo Switch. We can keep beating that dead horse um, on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, critically, on Metacritic at least, the highest, uh, most 10 out of 10s out of any game, one of the most critically acclaimed games of all time, which is, you know, just absurd, right? Mario Kart 8 Deluxe just came out. You shrug, but it's... It's just more Mario it's, Kart. It's the perfect Mario Kart. It's like I think so it's. Well. Yeah, no, I th- yeah, Jordan brings up a good point. I read that uh, in one day, half of the owners of the Switch already had the game. So, like, those numbers are just obscene. Like, it was over 500,000 in the U.S. in the first day. Yeah, they're all buying their second game. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> Except for Jordan. He has, he has. <laughs> Snipperclips and Tetris and who knows what else. Okay, uh, next game, um, For Honor. I don't know if you guys know about this one. It's a good game. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's like a third-person team-based yeah, yeah, game by Ubisoft. Uh, medieval-style melee combat. It's really, really cool. It's not like high fantasy, though. It's like medieval combat. So it's like a take that fewer people have taken. Yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn, Sony's exclusive uh, release by Guerrilla Games, came out a couple months ago. I've ranted about it on this show before. It's absolutely one of my favorite games completely engrossed me absolutely loved it mario odyssey is coming later this fall the first 
3D quote unquote Mario since what Super Mario Sunshine? Yeah. Uh, it's like a 3D open world Mario, so that's that's pretty incredible. Mario 64 was like my the first game I played and one of my favorite games. So I'm. What do you mean by quote 3D? Yeah, because so, Super Mario Galaxy. So Mario Galaxy was kind of like. It's very linear. Yeah, it's it's linear and like you mm. you jumped into levels and stuff. So like open world. Uh, choose your so level. like Mario 64. So you're just oh, like okay. running around in a hub world, and you can jump into levels in which you can run around and stuff. I mean, you would say well, Galaxy. Mar- Galaxy One had a hub world, right? Yeah, yeah Galaxy yes. One had a hub world. The difference is that when you jump into a world in Super Mario Sunshine or Super Mario 64, you select a star that you're allegedly going for, but the world's the same, and you can go for different stars than the one you picked oh, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. want to. In Super Mario Galaxy. The world is very, very different based on yeah, which star you choose. Mm-hmm. You can only do the mission that you selected, and it's a very linear system. Gotcha. Other than like secret stars. Okay. Um, on the next game I have on the list, um, Ghost Recon Wildlands, uh, another Ubisoft game. Uh, it's sort of like an open world, uh, team-based uh, first-person shooter. It's like very free and mission. Like, um, so you like meet up with friends and like drive around and. Uh, like an open world and take down drug lords and you know just it's kind of like a cool open world sandbox um, it sold incredibly well uh, I do know that I, beyond that I don't know too much let's see what else where where are you getting this list I'm just curious I just googled games just in 2017 okay yeah. so you missed outlast 2 I think uh, yeah no yeah if you guys have more just keep yeah. going have, have we said ukulele you, you, you have, co- no we didn't you said that's, a, that's a huge one yeah uh, fan-funded uh, Kickstarter game that was announced a couple years ago at this point. Um, spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie. I'm really enjoying it, even though it's getting critically crapped on. Yeah. Owlboy was this year too, right? That game was 10 years in the making. Uh, actually, I have not heard of this one. You haven't heard of Owlboy? No. Okay, it's um, it's an indie game. That is, <coughs> it was 10 years in the making, and it finally came out this year to lukewarm reception, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, it's a beautiful game, but I hear, like... It doesn't do anything that interesting. Right. But the, the art in it is amazing. Um, let's see. There's a Crash Bandicoot um, yeah. Insane trilogy. Is yeah. it just a, like a remaster? You no, know, it's uh, it's a complete remake. So it's a remake of the first three games. So like Ratchet and Clank from, Yeah, it, exactly like that. With like high resolution assets and new artwork and everything. It's, it's definitely... Um, I'm definitely keeping my eye on that one. It looks very colorful, vibrant, fun. Gravity Rush 2, that's probably a lesser-known game. Nier, Nier but Automata. I, I want to give that a shout-out. Nier Automata is a big game, too. I've talked about it on here. It's really good. That came out a few weeks ago at this point, I want to say. Maybe a couple months ago. It was about a month ago. Um, Yakuza 0 came out at the beginning of this month. Uh, I have never played a Yakuza game, but I know there are people that are absolutely crazy for those. Tales of Berseria, really popular Japanese uh, uh, JRPG series, the, the Tales, Tales of series. Yeah, Tales of series. So that also came out this January. Did you mention Snake Pass? No, Snake it's an Pass. Indie game. It's on Switch. Yes. It's also on Windows, PS4, Xbox One. Snake Pass has my attention recently. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that. Like the idea of it. Yeah, it looks like a 3D platformer, but you control this snake and you're kind of slithering. Yeah, you have to yeah. Like wind around the key is to yes. think like a snake, yes. according to the developer, which I think is really funny. Yeah. Microsoft's uh, Project Scorpio is also coming out this year. Is it? It's coming out this year? I believe so. I believe wow. they're announcing it, and it's. I think it's releasing this year, uh, which is another console, you know? Yeah, so a lot. the Switch and the Scorpio this year, which is pretty insane. 
Um, oh, uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, 2.8. <laughs> They're getting closer so, yeah, that's, and closer to 3. Right. Next year, Kingdom Hearts 2.9. Yeah, just incidentally, that's like the most absurd naming convention. Like, oh, yeah. You don't, oh, what are you God. doing? Yeah. Just square, go away. It's like, uh, I think it has um, Kingdom Hearts uh, Dream Drop Distance, like a uh, PS3, like, so it was originally on the 3DS, but I, I, so it has I, the first two games, right? And it, and like like an animated movie or something. No, it it has. I think it has Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, of, um, for like a console, and then it has like a prelude to Kingdom Hearts Three. So, it's kind of weird, but still waiting on Kingdom Hearts Three. It's just obnoxious at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's like I just want. I don't know. Like, they're wa- working on so many games, like Final Fantasy VII Remake, right? But they're like, oh, we're going to release it in parts because it's too massive to be released in one chunk. And I was like, you're telling me Final Fantasy VII is going to be bigger than The Witcher 3? Like, in terms of sheer scale? Like, get out of here with that nonsense. Like, there's no way it's too large to release at once. You guys just want to break it up into pieces. There's nothing know? wrong with an episodic release, though. There's nothing wrong with that, but their reasoning made me mad because they, like, totally just lied, and they could just be straight up with us but whatever yeah, i mean it was a an extremely successful model for hitman and we should probably talk about episodic releases on here sometime oh yeah for sure um that's a good topic for another time um, uh, star wars battlefront 2 uh, yeah great ex- great yeah that that game's going to be huge uh it's going to include it's gonna be huge crap yeah connor hates battlefront yeah, but it's it's going to i love old battlefront it's going to include uh characters from all three movie eras so the original trilogy the prequel trilogy and the current trilogy which is exciting for a lot of fans uh just kind of getting into the fall games uh call of duty world war Two, the first game in years that they're going back to a world war Two setting and yeah connor you roll your eyes but call of duty is the best-selling game every year yeah, without yeah. fail well, like even upsetting. infinite warfare that like no one liked yeah. was the best-selling game of 2016 so they're they're actually um <coughs> they they're adding a 48 man uh playlist now so like, to call it, of duty yeah oh, usually nice. usually it's originally you know six on six yeah and the largest was ground war which is nine on nine but now they're doing 48 so 24 and 24 so they're kind of moving more in the battle but field yeah, battlefield kind of and they're i think they're also doing like kind of like support your country style for the multiplayer that's what i've seen on youtube some people talking about so like you choose a country and then you you can like unlock camos and stuff for that representing that country say like britain mm-hmm. or some america uh another any reason they picked the 48 number is there, have they talked about why? I haven't I, heard anything, but yeah, because I think I'm thinking of like those kind of massive battle kind of games, and I think of um, I think it was called Mag on PS3, and it yeah. had 64, I believe, yeah, was and the max. Yeah, no, it was immense. Yeah, was something it like 64 that. per team. I thought. Yeah, I no, I think remember. it was actually, yeah. and it's and like it was and it was boring. Yeah, it was terrible. Because <laughs> yeah, the maps um, were so big to accommodate that many people. Another big game yeah. that I don't think any of us are into Tekken Seven. I mean, yeah, not my that jam, has a dedicated fan base, yeah, so I, I guess I'll give that a shout out. I don't know anything about it though. They're remaking Final Fantasy XII. I don't know if you guys knew that, and that's coming out this year. Is that one of the ones people talk about? Uh, Never heard of it. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was there because fourteen exists, but so I knew they had to be passed. Have you guys hear, heard anything about Metal Gear Survive? Please, let's never talk about that ever. One? No Kojima involved. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, Konami can be a topic unto its own, and their treatment of Kojima, but like, that just infuriates me that that game even exists. Um, it could be a great game. I I wouldn't judge a game before I played it. It honestly. won't be a great game. So, I wouldn't judge a game you're, you're before going I played in it. With negative attitudes. In you're any see all the negatives in, in this any game. scenario except for this one. <laughs> I never even heard of it, so like, you 
you know what what is it about like so do you know what the metal gear series is about yeah yeah so it's literally just a zombie survival game but they put the metal gear name on it it's pretty so stupid no stealth like is there stealth involved or i mean there might be it's just they're they're completely just capitalizing off the name of metal gear is what they're doing but yeah that's totally off topic from that we can talk about it some other time another game for the upteenth time skyrim is coming out again on the switch oh, which thank is god my six, my six-year-old game yeah i mean i think that's going to do it's gonna sell amazingly have they confirmed it's at the deluxe edition or whatever no it's Ultimate actually it's not. not it's okay. the standard edition because the switch can't run the deluxe edition it, what's the difference uh 4k resolution and like improved textures and improved lighting and like so there's no in-game stuff no it's just graphical improvements didn't the, didn't the deluxe edition also have mod support oh yeah it did I think. and the switch is not gonna no, no, no. there's no way um, Nino Kunu 2, I think, is coming out this year. Revenant Kingdom. Uh, it's kind of a niche JRPG. Yeah, I've heard of that game. Um, Tristan and I talked about it last episode, actually. Uh, it's a fantastic RPG series, and I highly recommend it to anyone who's a fan of that kind of thing. I played a demo at, like, a Walmart, and it was really fun. But yeah. I never really bought the game because it never owned a PS3. Yeah, oh, Splatoon two is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah Splatoon two is this year. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Splatoon kind of took the world by storm when it came out on the Nintendo Wii U, and for it to be getting a sequel on Switch, it's only going to push more Switch units. Right. So that's the beta was fun. That's exciting. Yeah. Ago. Uh, we had Hollow Knight come out here this year. Hollow Knight. It's uh, it's a, uh, it's another indie game, Indo- indie Metroidvania type okay. deal, and it's nice. like. Like, if you took the soul of Metroid and, like, the soul of a Dark Souls game and kind of mashed them together. I could get into that. So, like, it's like a Metroid soup, or um, Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. I got those words backwards. A Metroid soup. A Metroid mm. super. All right. Yeah, I kind of exhausted my list of games. Hello Do you guys neighbor. have what, neighbor. What is that? Yes. Oh, it's, it's a PC, <laughs> like, kind of, like, kind of horrorish, but you're also, like, kind of investigating your neighbor. And the stuff yeah. he does. Basically, you just move into this new neighborhood, and you got this creepy neighbor across the street, and you see he has this basement door that's locked with all these locks and security codes. So it's your job to sneak into the house and find the things you need to open this door and see what's in his basement. It's scary, Animal Crossing. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's got the piano music when he catches you and everything. It's really great. The uh, the betas you can play now are really fun. That sounds hilarious. Uh, Super Bomberman. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they yeah. came out on the Switch, yeah, yeah. They updated that to be not terrible, didn't they? I yeah, heard. they updated it so it has, I think, it, to, so it's 60 frames per second. And Was that what everybody was complaining about? The frame pacing is consistent. I forget, but it's better post-patch. Yeah, if you guys have more, we'll definitely talk about them, but I just want to interject to say that these are just the games we know about. There could be more games announced at E3 coming out this year that we don't know about. And that, to me, is just insane. Like, this is... It's a good year for it's, gaming. Yeah, it's one of the best years for gaming I can remember. Um, I think the previous year was, for me at least, 2011 maybe or 2012 or something around there where I was just like inundated with amazing games. It was 2011, so that's when Dark Souls and Skyrim and oh, Uncharted yeah. 3 came out and oh, I was yeah, just was like, insane. what is happening? Crazy yeah, yeah. Year. Like yeah. it all within like weeks of each other. Yeah, and I think for the first time, we're seeing, uh, first time since then, we're seeing like, game after game after game except not in the fall this time in the spring which is very interesting you know that fall release is not as important as it used to be uh jordan it looks like you want to say something what's up oh <laughs> what makes you say that 
Say what? I was going to say that the most anticipated game is that Animal Crossing mobile game Nintendo has been delaying. Okay, I'll be honest. I'm super <laughs> hyped for that. Are you so, really? Okay, yeah. let me let me make a confession. I could never get into Animal Crossing. Uh, well, What's I mean, wrong with you? It's I, not for everyone. I tried, I and I was just like, wh- why? <laughs> but why? Have you played Stardew Valley? <laughs> yeah. I like Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley's yeah. good, but Animal Crossing scratches a different itch than Stardew Valley for mm. me. I'm worried they're going to make parts of it required for the Switch one they're making. Oh, another... uh, When you said Switch, it triggered something in my brain. Pokemon Stars, I have a gut feeling, is going to get announced and come out this year. What? Um, So there's rumors going around that Pokemon Stars is uh, the third game to the sun and moon, you know? And it's going to be a Switch game, um, like an HD Switch game. So that's like an HD Pokemon game on a console, which is exciting. On a portable console. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's close as we're going to get with Nintendo. Yeah. Did, did you mention the new Uncharted? That wasn't this year. That Uncharted was... The Lost Legacy comes out August oh, 22nd. Oh, right. What the, is okay. that one? So, Uncharted The Lost Legacy. So, it began as just an expansion, like a single-player expansion for Uncharted 4. Okay. But I, like, I think the story is the team at Naughty Dog got so into the project, it's straight up just another... It's closer to the length of an actual game than an expansion. So it's hmm. like going to be like eight to nine hour. Oh wow! Campaign, yeah, like it's That's a fl- long for an Uncharted game, really, isn't it? Uh, well, Uncharted Four was the longest Uncharted game. It was like fourteen to fifteen hours, but most Uncharted games are around ten to twelve. Okay. Uh, so it's not quite the length of an Uncharted game, but it pretty much is for uh, an expansion. So like, if you bought the season pass, you're getting this for free. Oh wow, that's wild. And but uh, other than, otherwise, it's a well, forty. 40 yeah, otherwise it's a forty dollar purchase, which. Um, I think it's totally worth it for another Uncharted. I, as many people know, Uncharted's my favorite all time, so I'll be all over that. Can't believe I forgot that. Thank you, Jordan. Did you bring up Destiny Two as well? That's a huge Isn't one that, that I just year? forgot. No, that's no, this it's year. August. Wow. I'm yeah. Sorry, September eighth. This stuff's coming in. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, heavy. 2017 is ginormous. It's, it's yeah, ridiculous. A lot of yeah. Destiny that's... Two. I honestly think if there was ever a game that could outsell Call of Duty, it could be Destiny Two. I don't think so at all. I, I I think, think it has. People got there's by Destiny one, but there's so much hype behind Destiny. It's crazy. I mean, I know a lot of people that like thought Bungie was infallible before Destiny, and then played Destiny. I think they got a lot of that goodwill back though, like through their expansions and patches and whatnot. Maybe. Like I, I have a group of friends that to this day play Destiny every single day. Really? Yeah. And I know like their numbers are still huge. Like millions play Destiny daily, and this one's coming out on the PC too, so that's going to be huge. Um, yeah, that's another... I can't believe I didn't even think of that. I'm yeah. Lo- I'm looking at the Sonic Mania. You guys have That's gonna be about? good. Oh, yeah, Sonic good Mania. Lord. It's basically, they're going back to the original Sonic formula. And what's... The reason it has a chance is that they hired a bunch of fan game makers to do it. That's so, cool. a guy named Chris Whitehead, he started out doing, um, there was a game jam every year where they would just make a, so- a Sonic fan game for game jam. And, uh, he was one of the bigger guys in it, and they hired him to do the new Android ports and iOS ports of, like, Sonic 3, Sonic CD, stuff. And then they were like, all right, well, you're better at this than us somehow, so make a new one. And he is, and it's going to be amazing. So that sounds promising. I've just been burned by Sonic too many times to trust anything. No, so. it's, it actually has a really good chance of being a good game. <laughs> well, that's more than can be said for most Sonic games, so... Um, are there any I'm others? I'm a big fan of the Need for Speed franchise. There's a new game coming for that. Oh, nice. Oh, um, that also that. reminds me. I think Gran Turismo Sport yes, might be this year. Coming. Yes, Yeah, so it's just, yeah. This year is just absurd. And, like, a lot of these games we mentioned that came out already, I mean, 
we're getting we're looking at like 90 plus metacritic scores so like universally acclaimed games so like they're they're of the highest caliber too so i mean it's gonna suck i feel like a lot of people are gonna miss some of them because like i'm not gonna buy 20 games in a year oh i'm sure they can't they can't keep this up i'm sure 18 or 19 will be crappy years so you'll have time to yeah, yeah that's what i was gonna <laughs> say this yeah, yeah we're gonna pay for this later summer sale next year is gonna be <laughs> yeah ridiculous. Uh, ken just showed me a picture of minecraft switch yeah, which I just is found cool. a Minecraft Switch that comes out next week, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? No that's surprises right. there. Two weeks. You know. No, yeah. that's. I mean, that's to be expected, but that's a huge get for the Switch, nonetheless. It's weird. It's actually kind of funny that's coming out though, since Microsoft owns Minecraft now. Oh, this just came to mind. Um, I don't know if you guys are into Telltale games, but um, their um, Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale series is coming out like right now. Walking Dead season three is going on right now. Yeah. yeah. As well, right? Yeah. I think that started last year though, so I don't know. Later, it just counts, released an episode. Sort of. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, yeah, about 2017. That, there's a Cars three game coming out. That's gonna be big. Like Disney Cars? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> okay. What do you think I was talking about? I don't know. Maybe some racing franchise I never heard of. No. Okay. No. Well, they gotta build up hype for their new movie. Licensed games at their finest. <laughs> huh. All right. Breath of the Wild DLC. Which yeah. looks terrible. Eh, it looks it's reasonable. Got, I like that medallion that they're going to have where you can just put another waypoint somewhere because I like to teleport a lot of places. Yeah. Weren't you complaining about teleportation being in the game <laughs> when we talked about Hypocrite identified. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're improving it, so. Yeah, I mean, can you guys think of any more games? We've already went through a laundry list of excellent titles, so. I'm just thinking about, like, the games that haven't been announced. Yeah, um, yeah, Perspectrum. That I, it's this uh, <laughs> new indie game I heard of. It's going to be pretty big. It's coming out at the end of summer, I hear. Yeah, um, 95 plus on Metacritic. You heard it here first. <laughs> Predicting that now. All right. So as every week, we round off the show just talking about games we've been playing or games we recommend to others. Connor, why don't you start us off first? Um, I got to try um, Job Simulator for the first time on Friday. Oh, did you now? Yeah. Uh, Amid hooked me up with PSVR, and I got to try Job Simulator, and it was, like, <coughs> crazy. It was so much fun. So, um, I mean, to those who don't know, Job Simulator is just a VR game where you emulate mundane tasks like an office job or a mechanic or a mediocre chef. So, yeah. You know, so like, so what? Why is Job Simulator just so, so much I, fun to play? I only had time to play through the. Um, well, I guess I had time. I only played through the office uh, job, mm-hmm. and I spent almost the entire time in it. There was, like, a basketball hoop on the other side of the room, and yeah. I was just grabbing stuff out of my cubicle and trying <coughs> to throw it at the uh, at the basketball hoop. And it was just so, like, it was tactile. It felt it felt how it should feel trying to throw stuff. And I, th- I was just as bad at it as I am at basketball. <laughs> right. And it I, was amazing. I think it's an excellent game to show people that have never tried VR before. It was it, so much fun. Yeah. It really... Yeah, Ken, you want to say something? Yeah, about it? I uh, also played it, and I did the... Um, I was the mundane chef. Um, just... Just like being there and just messing with everything is just so fun. Just like, the level of interactability in that game is so high. It's very fun to just exist in that world. It's like if you think if you think you can move it, you can probably move it. And if you think you can get to it, you, you can try and get to it. Like I, I reached this book on top of the fridge, which was basically at the very edge of like the the reach limit, and I like pulled it. And there's just like little things you can find while you play that game. Right. I think it's best enjoyed with one person playing it and then a bunch of friends just watching you just mess around. Right. No, yeah. Um, 
It can be very entertaining because the person in the helmet loses all perception of what's happening around them. They're kind of in their own world. Um, Jordan, what about you? Is Job Simulator the one with the floating um, computer monitor people? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was yeah. trying to picture. I think I, I was thinking, okay. <clears throat> um, I've been playing a lot of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on Switch. Nice, nice. I haven't bought a new Mario Kart game at launch since the DS one. So oh, wow. And I haven't actually played a lot of the new ones. So I was going to say, so have you played Mario Kart 8? Once, and oh, I wasn't so this a big is fan like, of it. This is like Christmas honestly. for you then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you didn't like it. I didn't like but I've kind of, because I'm used to the N64 and the GameCube ones. Yeah. So those are the ones I've played the most. But I'm warming up to it. Um, my, I, I like it. There's a, you know, it has all those courses unlocked when you buy it versus the one on the Wii U. I really like that. And, and it's an absurd amount of courses, like almost 50, I think, right, which is right. crazy. Right, battle mode's fun. Um, and I... My biggest, I have, I have to give it a little bit of criticism. Um, I'm not, I don't think the old ones do this, but like items despawn on the tracks. So there's been times like I'd want to run into mushrooms that were dropped, and they, they would disappear <laughs> as soon as I would almost hit them, mm. and it was that's unfortunate. Very unfortunate, <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's a great game. It's gonna keep me playing for a while. Yeah, Mario Kart's one of those games that everyone, everyone plays. Uh, people who don't play video games love Mario Kart. Um, it's a very good social game for sure. Yeah. Um, Ken. Um, well, I've been usually, I'm, well, I'm still playing Battlefield 4, but, uh, I spent a lot of time playing, like, War Thunder, if you haven't heard of that game. It's like a, uh, free-to-play World War II dogfighting game. Um, okay, interesting. I've actually recently been getting back into a game that I purchased long ago called Metro, uh, 2033. Okay, which, which one do you want to talk about? Just pick one. Um. <laughs> and talk about it for a little bit. I guess I can talk about Metro since I've been playing that recently. Okay. Um, so just, just so like, what's the premise? It's a first-person shooter, right? First-person shooter, survival. Um, so, you're. I haven't really been paying attention to the story. I've been trying to understand the story. All I know is just some guy trying to find some person. But like, gameplay mechanic-wise, it. Um, I, so usually, if you play a shooter, you're indica- There's a really easy tell when you like killed something or not. In this game, when you kill these creatures, it's hard to tell if you killed them or not because they still like move about, and you want to like shoot them again to make sure they're dead. So, mm-hmm. with that, like, it really adds in like that horror, like, right. oh. And you're trying to conserve ammo and stuff yeah. too. I've played this game too. It's so it's an older it, title, right? It, there's a remaster of it. Okay, yeah, Redux. Is, is that what you're? Yeah, that's what I've been playing through. Nice. Uh, it's one of those. Ga- it's really <coughs> immersive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like y- if you like. Things will get on your screen. You won't be able to see properly. It's like, and uh, when you're outside, you have to put on gas masks, and the gas masks will get cracked as you like, are in combat and get shot at. Mm-hmm. Right. Nice. It's crazy. It's um, it's also a game. A lot of the fans suggest that you play it in Russian with subtitles on. <laughs> really? Why yeah, is that? Because the voice acting is better. It makes it more mm. immersive. I'm like, interesting. I did that for a while. I was like, eh, no, not for me. But yeah. Like, people care about it enough to, like, suggest things like that, which is something I don't see short of anime, usually. So, um, is it just a campaign? Yeah. Because a lot yeah. of first-person shooters have multiplayer components. Yeah, it's just a campaign. So, okay. it's based off of the book um, Metro 23, I think. Yeah, so. and there's a sequel, Metro Last Light. Okay, nice. I've heard of these games, for sure. They're very good. I would recommend okay. them. Um, I guess I'll round off the show by talking about something a little controversial. Um, it's a game for the Nintendo Switch called 1-2-Switch. So the reason I'm talking about this is I recently played it with a group of friends, and um, it's not your traditional game by any means. It's just like a collection of roughly 30 minigames. Um, and it's interesting in that 
you don't ever have to look at the Switch screen or the TV to play the game. Um, it's entirely based off of audio and the feedback you get from the Joy-Con controllers and your interaction with the other player. And um, I actually brought this to the, the get-together where Connor played Job Simulator VR, and I just let a bunch of people play 1-2 um, Switch, and it was interesting seeing them. It, it's kind of like playing with a toy rather than with a video game, and it's it serves a good purpose. Like, it does really well in social situations. Like, um, Connor was criticizing it heavily, but I saw him having a lot of fun playing that sword fighting game, so... It was, yeah, I begrudgingly enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, I, I'm still angry about the price. I think the price just, is absolutely, it's yeah, $50. I'm, I'm not angry about the game. It the should be free. Good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm angry at Nintendo's business practice. It should it. be the, the Wii Sports of the Switch. Yeah. Uh, but um, I did. Have I, I foolishly it. purchased it at full price because I was a Switch fanboy uh, a couple months ago when it came out. and uh, But I've enjoyed it. Um, I've played it with different friend groups, and it's always gone over well, so... Um, if you're looking for a good, fun social game, wait for it to drop in price and then pick it up. Are there any mini games on it that frustrated you? Because oh. I've heard things about. Yeah, a there are a few video, a uh, few mini games on there that are just like complete trash, and I would never recommend playing it under any circumstance. Mm -hmm. But um, there are several on there that are quite fun. So. Do you find the ball one to be accurate? Yeah, I do actually. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at guessing. So what Jordan's referring to is the the Joy Cons have this feature called HD Rumble, which really kind of emulates the sensation of touch. Um, and this mini game allows you to roll around a bunch of metal balls. And I think we've talked about this before on the show, actually. Yeah, in a container. And you can you have to sort of guess how many are rolling around in the container. Um, it works quite well, yeah. Okay, well, what's, the best, what's the best mini game on it? For the sh shaving. Oh, you like the shaving <laughs> I like one? I the shaving. Um, let me think. The best, I, I like Quick Draw a lot. Um, it's a fun little quick game. So it like emulates like a Western... Uh, standoff, right? So when when the announcer says go or whatever, you have to draw your pistol and shoot the other guy in the chest before the other one does. And it, like at the end of each round, it shows you like your timing and your opponent's timing and like where exactly you shot. So it's a good sort of like reaction test. That's probably my favorite game on there. What's is the cow milking game? As it fun sucks. As it's terrible. <laughs> like never never play not... that game. Yeah. Oh, that's really disappointing. Yeah, no, it sucks. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I think we're going to end the show. Thank you for listening as always. And thank you, Connor, Jordan, Ken, for joining me. All right. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.